0: And Right now, I'm leveraging Instagram. I'm I, think I have like 20, 7, 200-ish followers. A lot of agents, um, five, six hundred people watch my stories every day. Even when I have like a lot of them, but we what I'm leveraging leveraging Instagram to do is to build my name in the space as an industry uh, innovative leader. And I'm constantly teaching people how to do real estate on my feed. So I have a lot of agents follow me, like um, because I'm kind of like mentoring them through Instagram stories and then sending referrals. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your
1: host, Bill Rissa, of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 183 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for telling a friend. As I always say, it's how we continue to grow and uh, I get to keep doing this thing I love so much, which is finding out about, you know, people that are doing great things in the business, not about just their business, but about them. And today, this is no exception. I'm really excited. I I've had the chance to see Kenny Trong many times on stage. I've watched a lot of other a lot of his videos, a lot of his social work. He's doing some crazy good stuff with climb real estate in Oakland. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna that's where we're headed today. Kenny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up, Bill? Thanks for having me. On. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you're doing some great stuff, and we're gonna get to that soon. But I, I wanna first of all, um, I know you work in Oakland. You live in the East Bay as well. Uh, did you mm-hmm. grow up there? Let's talk about that first. Is that your hometown? Yeah, it's my hometown. So I was originally born in uh, Calgary, Alberta, but my parents
0: brought me here when I was age three, and I had my younger brother. Uh, he's three years younger. So I've been an Oakland, uh, Oakland California native since 1987. Uh, so I've been there for
1: 31 years now in Oakland. All right. And for those, and you're our first guest, actually. We've had some people from San Francisco, but the, I've, I've been to both places. They're definitely, I would call them different. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Super different. So let's talk about Oakland, um, you know, kind of give the listeners a a feel for what Oakland's like and maybe even compare it back to San Francisco. Um,
0: I mean, Oakland has has some bad negativity over the years for it's like crime and some poverty. But it it has a lot of culture, very, very um, diverse community here. And I I have friends from pretty much all, all parts of Oakland. And San Francisco, I don't know too much about San Francisco because I've only kind of experienced more of it outside of, you know, going to nightclubs. It's stuff in my early high school years. Outside of that, like, I haven't met too many people until, like, my college and uh, now real estate days. Uh, now I'm actively selling
1: in San Francisco and in Oakland. Yeah, and you focus hard on the East Bay, right? I mean, do you, how far, um, I know, like, is San Ramon out of your area? San Ramon is, like, a half-hour drive into Contra Costa, east of us. It's fairly, it's fairly, um, Pretty close, but that's not really part of the market you work in. You stay, you stay strictly kind of right off the bay. I would say.
0: Yeah, mostly in the bay, because most most agents stick within their corridor. Like to get to Contra Costa, San Ramon, Danville, and those other great areas, you have to cross the tunnel and then go to San Francisco. Between Oakland and San Francisco, there's a bridge, and with the you know traffic congestion in this area, like a 20 minute drive is easily be an hour, hour and a half, just to go like t- 20 miles or less. Gotcha. So most agents will stick, stick around to where they're good at. So for me personally, I, I say like 70-ish percent of my business is in Oakland, and then I'm also in surrounding neighborhoods. Like right now, I have a listing in sobrane Richmond, Alameda, Hayward, um, three in San Francisco, one in So I do travel for business, um, but at the core of my business is in East Bay, and that's where
1: my network, my sphere, my past clients are too. You also have the Golden State Warriors. So that's really cool, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. We, we have them. We've had them in Oakland. Now and they're leaving us. They care.
1: That's right. Our lovely uh, Raiders. We, we, we still got the A's. <laughs> you still got the A's. That's good. That's good. The Raiders yeah. left. Now the Warriors are leaving. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let me I'm going to go back in time a little bit. So you're in high school. You're there in the Bay Area. Not a lot of us are thinking that far ahead, but was 15-year-old Kenny kind of thinking about what he wanted to do for a living? Were you thinking about a career at that age? Oh no, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I had any like solid financial or long term goals in mind. I still don't really set
0: that um, that long long term goal out. I think early on I was like really into, like, let me see what 15th grade grade I've been. I think I would probably be in like not ninth grade. Yeah, yeah, ninth grade or so. By then I was like spending most of my weekends at like, computer shows, playing on MySpace, filling out like GeoCities or AngelFire websites. So I think at that point um, I. I felt like I would be doing something in tech and marketing or some kind of programming. And I, had, I was on Zanga uh, blogging pretty actively, so I feel like I've been in social media since I was in like middle school. Um, so something along those lines with product and marketing and my and my using my building a brand.
1: But I had no no intentions or interest or even knew about what real estate was at that point. But but if you think about it, what are you doing in real estate? Technology, branding, marketing—it's <laughs> all part of it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see. it has. So, yeah, social
0: media. I'm using all the products, like beta testing a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm my old brand. I get to use um, build out my website, build out what I want. Social media. So it's kind of. I guess it's like it, it. It hasn't been a shock that I'm now in real estate and doing doing things I'm like doing and how
1: I'm doing it because it's, I feel like I've been doing this since I was really young. Right. You you went to Cal State East Bay. Tell me, uh, you get out of school. What was your first job?
0: So I've only had one real job before. I've, I've done a lot of like,
1: gigs and ran stuff
0: Craigslist, but the one real job I had for like three years was at this company called SourceCorp. And SourceCorp was in like D.B. and It was this huge warehouse, and we had these like two machines that were, I want to say like 15 feet wide and like five feet deep. And these machines, throughout like 24 hours, they would just scan loan documents. So this was, this was the time... Um, Like, I I had no clue what they were, but these loan documents had, like, 32 sections to them. Um, But we were just scanning them. And then people, we have full staff, uh, every shift, like, 20, 30 people, they were using transaction point, you know, where you're organizing uh, TC works, so they're reorganizing the files to the correct section. We were, 90% of our business, I believe, was from Greenpoint Mortgage, and 10% was from Countrywide. So that was pretty good for a couple years. And then one day, the market crashed, uh, and then the files Coming answer, I gained less and less. And then eventually that company shut down. So, so a
1: kind of a victim of, uh, we'll call it the dark days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is this what prompted your move over to real estate? You know, because if you're, did you move into the real estate right during the, uh, we'll call it the dark days again?
0: No. So uh, during that time, like I was on Craigslist and I found this great gig where I picked up real estate signs. Uh, it was actually auction.com signs. And then, no, that time, the, Big bright yellow, blue, and green ones that you see all over people's lawns. Yeah. So I picked up those signs and um, I let, left them in front of my my parents' house, I was living with my parents at the time, in on our porch. And the agents would just come, pick them up, and go. Like a couple agents had knocked on my door, um, and then I had a conversation with them. And then one one guy, this really funny big Nigerian guy, his name was Sunday Peters. He had a really cool name too. Um, he was dealing with foref- foreclosures and bank notes, and then we hit it off. Had a quick interview with him on the street and then in my pajamas. He was like, hey, you want to be an assistant? I said, yeah. So I literally started real estate next Monday, three days later, uh, doing kind of like assistant BPO, installing lot boxes, um, installing signs, like front work. But it it was cool because I got to see a glimpse of what was possible out there. And then at the same time, I was working for the the third-party company that worked for or with auction.com. I was installing real estate signs. You know, within like one and a half hours each way with no traffic, uh, going to like hundred plus homes a month, uh, just setting signs in the ground or stapling these humongous, you know, five feet by five feet auction foreclosure banners on people's garage doors. So that got got. So I, like, I actually saw like, about, like over a thousand homes before I even got my license. So which was kind of cool seeing what's out there.
1: I mean that's that's a very interesting way into the business because I I'd, I'd say most of the people you know, that that get into real estate it's it's a little more traditional you know it's um, they're not being interviewed in their pajamas and they're <laughs> and they're not yeah. dealing with auction auction at the beginning so yeah so it was really random I just I mean I I'm a hard worker I just got just fell into it. When do you first get to then traditional brokerage? Because you get your license, and so I'm sure you realized the opportunity for growth and expansion and more money and all that good stuff is going to come from being a realtor. So how did? Uh, what's the first brokerage you signed with?
0: Yeah, so I was with doing with him. There's just like one other person at the office, so he encouraged me to get my license. The other got my license. Uh, we both decided it was a better state if I joined more traditional brokerage. So one of my close friends growing up, Tom, um, his sister, uh, Mayuri, uh, was a pretty top agent at the time. That she had the nice car, the penthouse, and all that. She was living that real estate life. So she recruited me to that office after I got licensed. It was pretty interesting because that office, I believe, at a time had like well over 100 something agents. But by the time I got there, there was like maybe 10 to 15 left. And when I got signed on, there was like six to 10 of us. Um So I joined that office, small independent brokerage. It was called Century 21, but when I joined, it became Michael James Real Estate. My broker, Vinny Manwin, and De- uh, Denise my win their two sons were my- called Michael and James. So then they started brokerage me at their uh,
1: kids. What what year is this? Uh, I would say it was like two thousand and ten. So we're we're still at the tail end of the uh, the, the struggles. With <laughs> I, I, yeah, I hate yeah. the word recession, but we're you know so we're we're kind of at the end of that, uh, and now things are getting ready to pick up. So the timing's pretty good, right? Yeah, time was really good. It was pretty much the, like the
0: bottom, bottom of the market. We couldn't even get people to buy homes. Things were still crashing, and we were at, now. There's maybe starting to come up, but it was, you know you don't see that until you're in hindsight.
1: How do you discover climb real estate? Then where does where does that come into the picture? And how far down the road were you?
0: That's four years down the line. So at my old brokerage, I was trying to use all this technology. It um, liked branding because it was a small mom and pop shop. So I was creating my own flyers and. Uh, Photoshop. I, I created my own open house sign design, and, and I created my own business card in MS Paint. So I was like, you know, I need to scale my business. And um, by my third or fourth year in business, I was doing about twenty million dollars in deals each year. But I wanted a bigger platform to play on. And I was watching Climb, uh you know, doing really cool things. I wanted to mimic them and create something like that. But I realized that was just way too hard. I'm I'm struggling just creating a flyer. Uh, so I met them in December, uh, end of my fourth year in the business, and I pretty much signed on the next day. Uh, and that's been a roller coaster ride upwards for me my, me and my business because um, six months later at the Inman Conference that year, so this was I think like 2000 and either 14 or 15, I'll say 15, uh, client won most innovative brokerage uh, of the year and also won most in innovative agent Broker of the year for Inman. So it was a good um, synergy and I made the right decision of where to work my business.
1: Both the the brokerage and you win those awards. What what were you doing? You think that identified you as most innovative at that time?
0: Um, at that time, there's like they wrote an article about me on Inman, and the, the things that they ha- were highlighting were my, the branding I was doing. I created the hashtag Fast Agent brand, um, using it in every aspect of my business on you know Facebook, Instagram, creating innovative email newsletters, uh, leveraging other brands for that, um, creating video content. Um, I was able to pull systems together. Like I was using Real Scout integrated into Mailchimp, and then running Facebook and retargeting ads to the same people. A couple other programs, forgot, but it was part of my stack. I think I had like easily ten solid tools at that time. Um, and then not many agents were combining what they were doing into a, a workflow, such as that between marketing and automation and CRM and Zillow and all that good stuff.
1: Because you had to put all that together. It wasn't like there was some kind of st- you know, standalone solution that was taking care of all of that. This was a lot of hard work on your end, right?
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I it was all pieced together. There's no APIs between most of the programs, so like a lot of those manual things that my system was doing in the back end. Oh yeah, I and mean, we had like call questions re- for text responding and like some other stuff too. Yeah, so I, I just took a lot of systems and put them together, and then like here, and then I was able to bring on agents. Like my first year at Climb, like I, I quit my old office, I left four agents behind. I was like, you know what? I need this on my own because they weren't producing and I joined the client. Um, and then I think in that made, in a year, I brought up five people because um, they found me online and I was just starting to build out my business there. So it was just, it's always like being innovative or ahead of the curve, which is, which is usually how I get, how i build my business over the years.
1: We have got to get the origin story of uh, Kenny Fast and, and hashtag Team Fast. Where did, where did that come from and how did you use that in your marketing?
0: Well, I've been always been in fast cars. So I had like a W, a Super WX that was checked out. And then later during when I got real estate, I'd sell that car. Because it was too loud. Um, but when I was starting to do more business in my third year, I bought a BMW M5, um, hmm. uh, a V12 car. And then I had a license plate. that put fast agent on it. And then I was thinking one day it would be cool if I can get people to call me fast agent or like create a thing where people call me fast agent. So I started using that on the hashtag. This is my way to eat sushi with my friend. I was like, I'm going to create the same. I'm not sure what it looks like. And so I just started implementing that in all my marketing and, and they kind of just pick up from there. And I, I did email, email newsletter. And I, my first one I think was like a Breaking Bad. Do you remember the Breaking Bad logo? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the B-A-B-R. Yeah. So I put S-A-S-T and I did that newsletter. Like, and it, I mean, the newsletter I had back then looked like junk. It's worse than the template you can get right now, but just kind of started from there and started just building that, And then over time, uh, I mean, I, I did like, I think 12 deals in one month, one time, or had like eight buyers in one contract one week. And then I was like, this is pretty cool. I need to let people know about this. Uh, cause no one else is building their business this fast ever. And then it kind of took off from there. Uh, my, my third and fourth year in the business, um, I was the number one spy agent in Oakland for unit Account. Um, so that's, you know, I, I was able to lead generate really, e- uh, effectively and, but then worked the leads really quick. So I was just really driving around. Almost every day, you know, hours and hours, showing homes, writing offers, showing homes, writing offers, and getting them in a the contract.
1: Wow! So let's let's talk about that lead generation. I'm sure it's a, there's a tech solution there that we're going to talk about. And and let's start with kind of the first tech tool you use that really made that big difference. Was it was it something in the lead generation space?
0: Kind of, but like, is it being innovative? Uh, so on so many things. So on Trulia, you used to get points. For blogging or checking in homes or answering questions and stuff, so I did that. So I was consistently, consistently number one in the charts uh, in my area because I was uh, doing all the things you're supposed to do in Julia. And then on HomeSnap uh, website, I I was taking pictures of all the homes I looked at, so I constantly I, I ranked at the highest on the searches. Um, and then there's a there's a remember I don't forget there's a game called Foursquare where you check in locations, you become the mayor of a town, yeah, or, or, or a location, yep, yeah. Um, so for that, I was constantly dominating like 30, 40 locations in Oakland. So I the mayor of Oakland at everywhere I ate and went, um, to playing that game. So your name was being uh, seen all the time. So like all this, all this stuff was before I even had like a tech or stack workflow. Um, uh, and then when I started generating leads, my first year in business, uh, the auctions, so the auction signs I told you about earlier, you know, the, the agents that had those, those, those things that usually were servicing like 50 to 100 deals a year. So no one was picking up their phones. So what I did, I, um, I went on Vistaprint. print. I created these really generic, uh, business cards, the free ones, and I started stapling them to the back of the auction sign. So not the for sale signs, but for the, for the auction sign. Wow. So if, so if a buyer is outside the house and they they've called this agent 10 times to go online and during no response, they call, they see this random card in the back of the auction sign and they call me. And then usually I, I, I you know, if I'm available, I, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I literally just go there and I show them home and it, I end up getting deals like that. And my broker, Vinny, he was one of the first agents to get a Fannie Mae account, REO. Uh, and then Dillo 2010 just came out that year. So it's not a, you realize like during 2010 to 11, Redfin, Dillo 3 was not a big deal. Not many people even knew about it. So there was really nowhere to look for homes, uh, except Craigslist. Craigslist, you're looking at individual listings. So I started taking my broker, Vinny, Fannie and other listings and putting them on Craigslist. Oh, uh, you know, for more information, come to this site. And then I remember my first year in business, before I even sold the house, I went to Inman, uh, Asian reboot. I couldn't afford Inman. I just went to the reboot. Uh, and I learned about IDX. So I built a website with IDX on my page. I paid my, one of my close friends, uh, girlfriend. He's a web developer to build me this really simple, but cool WordPress site. And I sold the idea off of this guy I saw in San Diego. So this was revolutionary at the time. If your website on the right side has city names and drop down menu with pricing like open zero to 100, 100 to 200, 200 to 300, and Berkeley 200, 300, 300, 400. No other site in my area had that. So then I took, you know, I was redirecting listings um, from Craigslist and driving traffic back to my website and people would search on my website. Wow. And then my, yeah, so like none of, like realize like none of this sounds very innovative right now, but at that time no one was doing any of this stuff. And the thing is like everyone has access to the same tools I did. They just weren't putting the same work. Uh, and then Redfin really helped me take out my business. So I was doing 19, I think we did like 24, 25 deals in the first two years. Um, And then my third year, fourth year, like 49, 52 deals. I joined Redfin as a partner agent. And Redfin is really cool um, back then because the, their national closing rate was 11%. So every nine clients that send you, you should be able to close one. So mine's was 9%. Um, but I had a lower speed score, but I was working in volume. So my first year, where Redfination won an award as a real estate rock star award for number, the top number of closings across all the counties, in Central Coast Bay. um, again, this is just like showing up, showing homes, writing offers and that all that stuff. But I, I did this thing where I strapped a GoPro camera to my chest and I, um, started recording in all the homes. And then like all these homes were foreclosures, you know, there were no one living there they were junk. They weren't very little of them were occupied. So I started recording all these homes. I was going to, Empty home is not even staged, uh, more than half the time. And then I'll upload the videos to YouTube, um, you know, my, my tour. And then I would go on ref because I was a reference partner agent, write really funny, stupid, but um, value-add comments, reviews on the property. And then I was like, for, you know, for videos, video tour, go there. And then it would go to pennytrung.com slash where the house is. It would have the information on there. And then I was actually also taking traffic, um, leveraging ref in to build my business. And then also, when you're writing the reviews on Redfin, uh, people's email box would get the alert. Uh, they would get a an notification. And then on Redfin, they always showcase the very first. The first ones they showcase were the ones with reviews on it. So then I was constantly being seen by pretty much everyone in my area. So, again, all the stuff I'm doing, we have people have access to, but it's not really that revolutionary. It, it was just, like, um, leveraging what was out there. And that's how I did my corporate business. Like, half a year later, I quit Redfin. I quit me on Zillow. Uh, and then that in a year, I started doing bus benches, 10 bus benches, and now I have, I have
1: 100. You know, you you think about it, you are uh, you were really good at identifying like an opening and then really yeah. capitalizing on that opening, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, and you're telling, you're talking about that website with all those drop downs and all those different price points. Back in the day, that was important because you got all these pages. So now you had thousands of pages built. And that helped drive more traffic to the site, right?
0: Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, getting, no, one arrested, no one was on Redfin, um, no one was on Zillow yet, and all this. And it's just being at the curve. So, like, right now, about one thing I recommend people doing is video. And social media video is like the future. People talk about it a lot. I you know, I post on average 30, 50 stories a day. Uh, I get easily two or three referrals a week from other agents in other areas.
1: Wow. So, not. Think think about that. I, I, I think that's important to say one more time. Everyone goes, what's the return on video? And I, you know, so what if I'm doing stories? You're what it's generating for you is um a following of realtors, and that's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, that, like I've always done um I mean, some like other things I did early on too was I had these um Starbucks card branded with my logo on it, and then I used showing suite where it would send a survey out for everyone who show my properties, and, and if they you know, answer the five questions really quick, they're entered um, into random raffle drawing where they could win the $20 Starbucks gift card. So it was pretty cool, and every week I just gave out Starbucks gift cards. A lot of times I would give it to a random person in a large office, So my name was being spread out there very consistently, and when I laid, it, laid it down to the email marketing, like all the agents in my area knew who I was because I proactively marketing to the agents. So right. when I wrote an offer, it would be accepted. So like, no, this this is a combination of of different things that, um, to build your business. And right now I'm leveraging Instagram. I'm, I've got like 20, 70, 200 ish followers. A lot of agents, five, 600 people watch my stories every day. Even when I have like a lot of them, but we're, what I'm leveraging leveraging Instagram to do is to build my name in the space as an industry, uh, innovative leader. And I'm constantly teaching people how to do real estate on my feed. So I have a lot of agents follow me like all, because um, I'm kind of like mentoring them through Instagram stories and then they send you referrals. Wow. And then through Instagram stories, I've, oh, I found real estate. I've recruited about, I think like a little over 60 agents now in this company. So I've recruited, I think we have like 200-ish agents, but for, you know, consistently, we had this explosion with the acquisition. I, was, I probably recruited like a quarter of the company and all my recruiting efforts are pretty passive. People reach out to me and they want to learn more and then sit down with them and say, hey, this is how I do business. Love to teach you it too, or you want to join my team? Um, Yeah, so right, like
1: Instagram has been huge for lead gen, branding, exposure, and recruiting for me. Now your current title is uh, director of inside sales. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. let's let's talk about a climb then. You know, like what that looks like. You know, how many um, ISAs are there? Uh, You know, any tips you might have for someone that's contemplating trying to start something similar?
0: So after I wanted to work that year, then I found out that
1: we had an inside sales team at the
0: office. Uh, cause I, I had my own team and then client and team. So for a good year and a half, I'm managing two separate teams by people who work, specific for me. And then an inside sales team is kind of like our company's e-team. The leads come in. There's someone, a manager managing that, distributing the leads, making, you know, holding people accountable with that type of workflow. So for advice for someone that's considering doing that, if your team has it or your company has it, I think I had like, 50-ish sales and, like, 110 reviews at the time. I think Climb had, like, a 100-something sales and, like, 20 reviews. And then we were able to merge the accounts. So when we merged the accounts, overnight I had, like, 160 sales and, then like, I don't know, like 140 reviews or something. And then as a team leader, when you – every time you add someone to your team, if they set the team date to be early, like, let's just say 2010, you kind of um, uh, are able to absorb the reviews and duplicate it. So, I was able to get like 200 reviews next year, and now I'm pulling around 400 or something reviews. I have the most reviews across all four counties in this area. Because um, when you're, and then no one's mad because, like, when they join the team, they, they get value out of it. They learn all the tools, get better at lead gen and converting. Uh, but I'm able to leverage that and build my brand while also helping build the uh, agents and help them build their businesses. You should take all the reviews and create a mega, kind of like, what is that, like, like Power Rangers or Rotron or something.
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> the power of all right bring it all together into one <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah let's talk about the the lead generation part as much as you can talk about it, i don't want obviously climb you know has to you know maintain and protect their their uh, <laughs> what yeah. how where do I mean, where do leads come from
0: uh zillow i mean zillow has gone i mean zillow's kind of harder to play on but the returns are there because when i was doing zillow i when I first started my I was doing about 20 million dollars in volume just from Zillow every year. When I was personally folding around 40 to 50 million dollars production, and then last last year we closed like 66 million from Zillow, and then the year before we closed like I think just past year like I think 58. So for Zillow, we kind of just the, the company as a whole kind of breaks even, but you know because the agents aren't working as hard as they need to be. Um, but Zillow, you know, Zillow shouldn't be the brand of your business, but it should be able to. Uh, help you grow your market share because every deal we close on Zillow, we realize we also get market share and we can leverage that to get more listings. Like right now, I think I have about 18 listings signed, which is last year I did 24 listings, year before I did like 35. So right now, I'm just within this month, I have more listings than I did last year. And that's just through other avenues to, you know, like farming and open house and stuff. Um, but the structure of our team right now on our e team, personally, I, I pay for agentology, So every inbound leads get service. You know, their church. And then I have two full-time ISAs that's been working with us since last July. They just literally just make outbound calls every day to our lead pond. We use Chime CRM. So we kind of have a pool of old leads. people, we cap every agent now that wanted to lead. They can have whichever 100 they want, but anything they've seen that just, just tosses into lead pond. And our ISAs so will just dig through that every day. They're averaging about 150 to 200 calls a day. Uh, about 20 conversations a day. They're in the Philippines, um, five bucks an hour, which, you know, the, so the thing is like, they're really good, but you have to train them. Uh, and, then they're, they're setting up appointments for our agents to talk to them more in detail. So they give us this whole breakdown, like they're looking at this price point, look, uh, they're of selling hair, uh, you need this many bathrooms, this city, and then when our agents get on, the, the lead is warm. So that, that's been really effective at supporting the e-team's business.
1: You know, you talked about the fact that an agent can only handle so many leads. I think sometimes people don't think that way. Would you agree with that? Like they, they just want as many as they can have.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like like that's why I tell the team like, you know, I do last couple years, I do fifty-ish a year, but uh, myself. You know, I have a partner, but like I'm I'm lead on it. I do most of the talking. Um, you and I, I've never really passed even a hundred people in my database. So for agents, you don't need two, three, four hundred leads. It's, it's kind of ridiculous if you have that many because you're not able to really dig deep. Um, something I teach my team, I forgot where I learned it from, so I can't feel it and I can't find anywhere. anywhere. Well, there's this thing called like, the pancake syndrome? You know, when you eat a stack of pancakes, uh, if you put maple syrup on it, the maple syrup goes at the bottom, right? And those pancakes are more soaked. They're probably more delicious. But the problem with, with pancakes and leaves is people keep stacking these pancakes and leaves on top. They never dive deep. They're never able to dive deep into the bottom where you, they're able to put some more effort and time and to... To nurture leads so they can, you know, get a closing out of it. They it's kind of like similar dating; they're all looking for like one night stands, but then that doesn't work that way. So I think agents, if you are a team leader, and then one thing you should consider doing is like capping out the leads, and then anything that's stuck in, attempt to contact a new lead, have them work on that first. And it's like, you know to organize the existing leads. You don't need more leads; they just need to be cleaned up, and then. And then every lead should have a task. Like, I'm, I'm sitting on a basis, like, I'm probably like 300 leads right now because I work with, like, six from partners. But every lead should have a task. Like, someone buying it next May, you should have a call set up for, on your calendar for, on your CRM for January. Someone's, you know, you're working right now, February, and someone says, hey, you know, sorry, I'm not going to buy more. I'm, I'm going to sign that one-year lease. I just signed it. And maybe you should call, set up pass to call them in like October, November. So when you call them like, hey, you know, you said, uh, I understand last year we talked, you, you signed a lease or you considering buying this year. And then you, you pick up where you left off. But when you have so many leads and they don't have tasks,
1: every lead is the same and you don't know who to spend your quality time on. You, you should never leave a contact in, in the CRM. You should never exit it without setting the next task, right?
0: It sounds like well, but no one but no one's doing it or they're not diving uh, deep
1: enough to, to set up that pipeline for themselves. Yeah, it's frustrating. I I see that all the time. I mean, I'm in my role. I, I talk about this stuff with realtors, and I ask them that question, kind of just what you just said. And they go, "Well, no, I don't really do that. I just remember it." I go, "Oh, I I doubt it." Uh, <laughs> you could, and then you you want to
0: do ten deals a year, but if you want to you know do a high level of, of production and deliver high value of service, you need to rely on on your CRM. Your CRM is your brain. You shouldn't rely
1: on your own brain because most of our brains aren't aren't very good, anyways. Yeah. So, Kenny, let me ask you this question: You, what, what, what? Is, you see a lot of you go to every Invent, so you see all the new technology out there, yeah. all this stuff. What, what yeah. really excites you? Or even going a step further, what do you wish someone would invent?
0: Some, of them, like a lot of the Inventor Rally has been the same stuff over and over. But the recent one did have some pretty exciting stuff. I, we don't need more tools for more social media posting. We don't need more CRMs or like. Uh, thinking of property websites and stuff like that. But what, what was pretty cool on the last one, I saw a company called I like, moved where you just one, one stop shop and then they help your, your client organize their move, hire the movers, uh, and all that stuff was like a couple of clicks. And then I haven't used it yet, but I think there's a tool called punch list and there's another tool called repair items. I sent it to a client today. So a client texted me like 30 repair items. And he asked me what it would cost. I was like, Oh my God. I could answer him. It would take me three hours. Um, but I said, Hey, there's this website. You, you send your home inspection report to and it's, with the 24-hour turnaround, they'll give you itemized cost of everything. So for me, I think the tools should be built for agents to help us save time but not replace us. If I can get a client moving, not a client, like let's say I'm prepping a seller um, to relocate okay out of the state. If I, if I ideally could hire this punch list and repair item thing and they, they hire contractors and then I, then I, I, I input in the move, and they can move all things out, like I don't really, there's like almost no project managers for me, and I can spend my time uh, talking and talking and negotiating
1: more, do more marketing for my sellers. You want more conversations, right?
0: Yeah, like you should spend as much time talking to your as possible. Right. Like your tech should be getting getting you the conversations and offsetting like non-important things to talk about. Like we use Folio. Um, you know, every, a Folio is a Gmail extension. Where you input the dates like, hey, today's the staging date, uh, painting date, home inspection date, uh, offer date, open house date, like that stuff automatically sends an email to me, my assistant and sellers. So I'm not having those conversations first, so I can spend more time having conversations. Hey, this many people came at open house today. Um, they said this about your property. This person might an offer. You know, because we're busy. You can't cram that many conversations into your very limited Saturday or Sunday night prior to your social or family time. So. that's why all these tools are supposed to save you time from
1: everything else that you shouldn't be doing or don't, don't need to be the best at doing Kenny. I've had you here the half hour. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up with the same question I've asked every single guest. Yep. So um, what, what, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business?
0: I mean, go to every training, follow all the top people you admire or want to look up to on Instagram
1: uh, and be fearless. I mean. Don't care less about what people think and just do do
0: more, do more and
1: talk less. <laughs> Kenny, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Is it, is it social?
0: Yeah, Instagram, uh,
1: Kenny underscore fast, or you just look up hashtag fast agent, you'll find all types of stuff. I can't thank you enough, you know. Like I said, I've followed your stuff now for a few years. It's been super fun to watch it. Uh you're 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 and you're just exactly what you you portray you are. You're there's nothing fake or phony, right? This is this is who you are. This is what you do. Yeah, you're being authentic, you don't You don't
0: think too much, you know, of, of what or how you should present yourself. You Just be yourself and then the people who want to work with you or with you and if you're lucky enough I like mean you have agents reach out to you, to send you referrals or want to work with you every day. Kenny, thanks a lot for being on here. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Bill.